The Federal Vacancies Reform Act, the law that determines who can serve as an acting political appointee and for how long, has been put through its paces over the last two and a half years. The number of vacancies in Senate-confirmed positions, the length of those vacancies, and the circumstances surrounding them have raised questions that the framers of the law apparently didn't envision when Congress passed it in 1998. So, according to our next guest, Ann Joseph O'Connell, now's a good time for lawmakers to revisit the act. O'Connell is a lawyer and professor at Stanford University. She's also the primary consultant on a project for the Administrative Conference of the United States on acting officials and delegated authority. And she joins me now. I think to set the stage here, Ann, and, and, and I know this is not the central focus of this particular piece of research, but but just spend a minute talking about why acting officials in general are, are, are not the ideal people you want leading an agency. Sure. I think it's important to recognize that you need them at certain times. I mean, there are gaps uh, in our appointment system, and it takes time to nominate, takes time to confirm. But I think relying so heavily on acting officials is not desirable for a number of reasons. Uh, one has to do uh, with the people below them. Uh, so the careerists uh, in the agency, acting officials are seen not to have the same authority. The head of the Partnership for Public Service uh, labels them substitute to teachers not able to kind of wield the same authority uh, in the classroom. I think there's a second issue that acting officials, because they're in this temporary uh, status, are hesitant uh, to engage uh, in particular uh, agency actions. And so we worry about that. We worry about sort of what the agency should be doing. And if it's heavily staffed by acting officials, it may not be doing the things it needs to be doing or doing them as quickly as it should be doing them. Um, And then I think there's just also the concern of accountability, so that even if the acting officials, which they do in many cases, have the respect and sway over uh, those beneath them, and even if the acting officials are able to take on the functions of the agency and do them in a timely manner, uh, we still worry about accountability because the acting officials haven't been nominated by the White House and confirmed by the Senate. And that process uh, gives a bunch of information uh, through its sort of information disclosure requirements, and then just by the Senate approving, uh, gives uh, certain accountability and status uh, to those confirmed officials, uh, which acting officials lack. All right. And so as you say in the paper that, you know, in the modern era, the piece of legislation that's really, really out there to put some structure around how how presidents deal with vacancies and acting officials is the Vacancies Act. So we'll, we'll talk about your recommendations for reforming the Vacancies Act in just a minute. But broadly, what do you see as the main shortcomings in the act as it's written and and as it's been reinterpreted more recently by the Supreme Court? to realize very quickly that the Vacancies Act basically tells you who can serve as an acting and for how long. Uh, And it's just the latest in a long string of statutes. So the first Vacancies Act was in 1792. So the 1998 Act, which is the act in place uh, today, uh, fixed a lot of things. with previous acts. Um, The 1988 Act had time limits that were routinely ignored. Uh, The 1998 Vacancies Act has more of a consequence. It requires litigation uh, to make actions by invalid uh, actings of void. So those are some of the benefits of the Vacancies Act. But I do think that there could be changes both to who can serve as an acting and for how long they can serve. And so let's talk about those. The first one you address in the paper is, is one that, that's come up pretty recently, which is the question of whether or not the Vacancies Act applies when someone has been fired versus whether uh, versus when they have been retired or, or just resigned. 
Yeah, so there are the, there's a whole string uh, of issues uh, or ambiguities in the Vacancies Act, uh, which have come to light uh, in this uh, administration. And I think that those could be clarified and should be clarified by Congress. I mean, some of these have generated lawsuits, uh, but litigation is often not the best manner uh, to resolve uh, ambiguity. So there's a series of them. So number one, does the Vacancies Act apply when someone is fired? So President Trump fired Secretary Shulkin at Veteran Affairs, puts in Robert Wilkie under the Vacancies Act, who was a confirmed assistant secretary at the Defense Department, instead of using the Agency Succession Act, which would have put the confirmed Deputy Secretary of Veterans Affairs uh, in the acting role. Um, and so that raises the question, does it apply the Vacancies Act to firings? Now, I think the language uh, of the act does allow presidents to turn to the Vacancies Act uh, in these cases of firing, but it's not crystal clear. And there are scholars on the other side. The language neither explicitly includes or excludes uh, firing. So that's something Congress could fix. You know, can the White House turn uh, to the Vacancies Act uh, when they fire or not? Another uh, ambiguity uh, which uh, has arisen uh, with uh, Ken Cuccinelli's uh, recent uh, appointment in a new position in the Principal Deputy Director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Um, by creating this new position at the Department of Homeland Security, creates a new first assistant position, and under the Vacancies Act, the first assistant is the default acting official. Uh, so Cuccinelli became uh, the acting director of U.S. Uh, Citizen and Immigration Services. And there's an open statutory question about whether you can name a first assistant that would take on the acting capacity after the vacancy has occurred. So the former director of U.S. Citizen and Immigration Services had departed, and then this naming uh, occurred. Here, too, I think, although not desirable as a matter of policy, I do think um, there's a strong legal argument that's been advanced by the Office of Legal Counsel uh, that the Vacancies Act does apply, that you can name a first assistant after the vacancy, but it's not crystal clear in the language. And so that's another opportunity for Congress to get involved. And in particular to say, you know, maybe as a matter of policy, we don't want to name first assistants uh, after the vacancy uh, occurs. After all, there's still two other categories uh, that you can draw from to have an acting official. It wouldn't be like you couldn't have an acting official. You could take someone who's been Senate confirmed uh, to another position in the agency, or you could take someone uh, Senate confirmed in the agency or to any other agency, actually, or you could take someone who's been at that agency 90 days in the year preceding the vacancy who's paid at GS-15 or higher. So there would be acting officials, but you just couldn't put Cuccinelli. You couldn't put someone who Republicans in the Senate said, hey, this person's going to have a hard time getting confirmed. You couldn't kind of do this workaround the Senate confirmation process to put people in uh, in this way. And another, it's not really an ambiguity, but another potential shortcoming of the Vacancies Act that, that you point out is that it really treats all Senate confirmable officials the same, whether they're a cabinet secretary or the first assistant or a bureau head or an assistant secretary. And there probably ought to be some variation on the restrictions, I think you're saying. Yeah, on the you could think both in terms of who can serve as an acting and perhaps also for how long they can serve. So as I mentioned, right, there are three categories of people who can serve as an acting, no matter whether it's a cabinet secretary or an assistant secretary, right? Those three categories are, number one, the first assistant to the vacant office, number two, someone who's been Senate confirmed to any position uh, in the administrative state, or three, someone who's 
had the 90 days in the year prior to the vacancy who's paid at GS-15 uh, or higher. Um, and that's that, those are some pretty broad groups, especially the second uh, and the third. And you might think about restricting them for the most important positions. So there was a lot of controversy when President Trump forces Jeff Sessions out as attorney general. And instead of using the agency-specific succession statute and allowing Deputy Attorney General then uh, Rod Rosenstein to serve uh, as the DAG, uh, I mean, sorry, to serve as the acting attorney general, he turns to Matthew Whitaker, um, you know, had been the agency as chief of staff uh, to Jeff Sessions, who is not Senate confirmed to step in as acting attorney general um, under this third category. And maybe we don't want people who um, who have been serving uh, for not very long, for a year or so, um, uh, without being Senate confirmed, to be able to step in in an acting capacity to these critically important top-level position. So I recommend that Congress would change that third category of, you know, being in the agency 90 days out of the previous uh, year, instead to say, hey, you have to have been at the agency at least five years prior to the vacancy and be paid at GS-15 or higher before we're going to allow uh, you to step in to the very top roles. On the topic of agency-specific succession statutes, you mentioned in the paper the DHS statute, which which Congress explicitly requires. If there are people in line behind the secretary who's departing, the deputy secretary, and then on down, in this case, the undersecretary for management, they've got to step in. You can't just pick somebody else who's been confirmed to another agency or, or office. And I, I'm wondering what you think about applying that, that sort of sensibility government-wide instead of just at DHS. Yeah, I think well, the, the, when Congress in 1998 uh, did the latest version of the Vacancies Act, they noted that there were a bunch of these agency statutes. Obviously, DHS was not in existence, uh, so that was not. But there were, you know, several dozen agency statutes like this. And they wrote in language basically allowing the White House uh, to turn to the Vacancies Act in addition. Now, I think it would be helpful for Congress to go through those statutes. There aren't that many. And figure out, hey, which one should be more like DHS, right, where you have to do the agency-specific plan first uh, if you have certain people in place, and then only if you don't can you go uh, to the Vacancies Act. And just to make some of that clear, I mean, the DHS statute is crystal clear. It says you cannot ignore the Vacancies Act if you have a confirmed deputy secretary or a confirmed undersecretary for management. And that's why when Kirsten Nielsen was pushed out, Claire Grady was still there as the confirmed undersecretary for management. And so she, under DHS, was to serve as acting secretary. And in order to get to the Vacancies Act, the president right, had to push her uh, out to um, but what do you do, say, with the Director of National Intelligence? So there's a statute that says that the Deputy uh, Director of National uh, Intelligence shall be uh, the acting uh, DNI. But it doesn't explicitly invoke uh, the Vacancies Act to say you must use uh, the Deputy Director if there is uh, a Deputy Director uh, of National Intelligence. The question is, we don't know, uh, you know, which way that should go. And so some clarification, uh, if the Deputy Director of National Intelligence is not the acting uh, DNI, um, some clarification by Congress would be helpful. There, There is another category of officials that, that's really not even addressed by the Vacancies Act, which we, we now have all these people throughout government who are not even actings. They're called performing the duties of, you know, insert name of position here. 
What what do you do about those? Because those are really not time limited in any way. Those can go on basically forever, right? That's right. I mean, the agency can uh, uh, time limit them, uh, but then can just extend them kind of over and over again, uh, as has been done uh, in the past few years at the Department of Interior. So we don't have someone heading up the Bureau of Land Management or the National Park Service. Um, and once the time limits ran out to have acting directors uh, of those units in the Interior Department, uh, then Secretary Zinke just delegated the functions and duties of those vacant offices uh, downward of you know, to various uh, officials. Um, and so even though people complain about the Vacancies Act having these really long time limits for acting service, uh, w- even once those long time limits run out, you have this whole issue uh, of delegation. And there are concerns about the transparency of delegation. Many agencies don't uh, post uh, these delegations publicly. So even if they might on the website, you know, list uh, who's acting, or maybe some agencies do say, as you mentioned, performing the functions of, there's some agencies who don't do that at all. And so you go to a particular bureau who's normally headed by a Senate-confirmed official, and there's nothing there uh, in the kind of public-facing website. Uh, But underneath, there's been a delegation uh, that's not time-limited where all these important functions uh, are being carried out by much lower-level people uh, in the agency. And I think exacerbating that problem, unless I'm wrong, there's no requirement that 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 delegation is necessarily downward in the sense of it's someone who's already working in the agency. It can be somebody off the street who came in yesterday. That's right. Yes. And so, I mean, you do get into issues where you're not supposed to uh, kind of do a total end run around the Vacancies Act, where you delegate the functions uh, of a vacant office uh, to someone who couldn't qualify as an acting uh, official. Um, and that, especially if that person then kind of later gets nominated, members of Congress really do uh, in the hearings, at least in the past, kind of investigate that sort of practice. Uh, but yes, delegation, in a way you could think of the Vacancies Act and through acting officials being uh, kind of a workaround to the Senate confirmation process. And then you could think about delegations being a workaround uh, to the Vacancies Act. So right. it's you know kind of two levels uh, of of workarounds to how the process is supposed to work. And of course, the process is going to have delays, and you're going to need these actings, and you're going to need these delegations uh, from time to time. But that's the workarounds are not supposed to be the dominant way that agencies get staffed. That's Ann Joseph O'Connell, professor of law at Stanford University. We'll post a link to her recent Brookings paper on acting leaders at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.